<laughs> hey all, we're back. Welcome to Film Suck, a Patreon podcast in which we ponder the work of art in the age of crap cinema. I'm Eileen Jones. I'm Dolores McElroy. And today in an episode we're calling uh, Retelling the Stars, Brooke Shields and Little Richard. Um, we're um, discussing two new celebrity documentaries centered on them. One's called Pretty Baby, Brooke Shields. It's an ABC TV production streaming on Hulu. And the other documentary is called Little Richard, I Am Everything. It had a brief and, and limited theatrical release before appearing on Amazon Prime Video, Apple, um, Apple Plus TV, and lots of other places. Um, though it would seem as if uh, these two famous people in question have nothing in common. <laughs> there are a few just basic things. Both began performing in childhood, partly due um, to, per to very precarious and dramatic family situations, which we'll get into. Both suffered tremendous turmoil in negotiating fame over decades. Both achieved remarkable showbiz longevity, despite their popularity waxing and waning. But once those commonalities have been established, the differences are obviously um, far more striking. Little Richard was, bla uh, was black, gay, and sensationally talented. Nobody doubted that. Um, achieving la his most lasting fame as a vitally important rock and roll pioneer, Brooke Shields is, is white, straight, and became famous as a child model already for her exceptional beauty. Um, which forever cast doubt on how talented an actor she was, though she had acting ambitions um, early and was cast in major um, movie roles like Pretty Baby and Blue Lagoon, etc. While still a minor, she went on to Broadway and TV successes. Um, so first, let's just get a, a take on the two documentaries, which are still running um, if you, if you want to watch them. Um, Dolores, Takes on Docs. Okay, I mean, like in general, um, big like high recommend to both of these. Mm -hmm. I think they're both an interesting watch. Mm -hmm. um, I'd never even like you know really thought much about Brooke Shields ever. Um, she's mm -hmm. kind of like was at her height the generation before mine, and in that way is like you know how the generation right before yours is always the uncoolest thing. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if you you know if you go like two generations back, things can be reappropriated as cool, mm -hmm. but like the mm -hmm. thing right before you can't be cool um mm -hmm. so i you know i don't like she wasn't really part of my like growing up although she was also mm -hmm. inescapable i was born in like 1982 probably at mm -hmm. that height of her fame um mm -hmm. So, but I, I really enjoyed, so I always dismissed her as just like, you know, a beauty queen. I remember mm. when her sitcom Suddenly Susan was on in the 90s really? and it just seemed kind of like a, you know, a garbage sitcom. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I I didn't think she was interesting, but um, I found her interesting in the doc uh, for several mm. reasons, which we'll get into. I thought it was for the most part well-made. It's split into two episodes mm -hmm. and like most TV today, it is too long. Yeah. <laughs> Should have just been one. What the hell yeah. were they thinking? Yeah, I don't know why they do this. Um, mm. So the second episode was definitely like longer feeling than the first, and like mm. revealed less interesting information. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was really like, um, I was uh, really interested in Brooke Shields' own commentary on her own life. I mm. loved seeing the footage of her ads and her films. I mean, everything is, you know, that many, many things she appeared in are like very visually beautiful. So it's kind of mm -hmm. interesting to look at that footage. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely love the Little Richard doc. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was Good. really fun to watch. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought it was very beautifully done. Um, mm -hmm. I have some questions about the need to determine like an a single origin of rock and roll yeah. <laughs> or the possibility of doing so that seemed dubious to claim mm -hmm. that R little richard is the origin of everything that is rock and roll i don't i don't think that's supportable but he's certainly an artist who like deserves his due and this documentary is doing that so mm -hmm. in general they're both like very enjoyable um well i thought very well done um and uh, i'd recommend them both how about you eileen Oh, I definitely would. If, if only just like for 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 kind of unexpected content, I guess more than more than so we can get into like how we think, which is always hard in documentaries. They tend to be so rote; it's even hard to analyze them. We can get yeah. into a little bit, but it's just more like you know, with Brooke Shields, like you, even though I was the generation, she was omnipresent, and for that reason, I wanted no part of her pretty much. <laughs> at all i didn't watch her early films i yeah you know i found it embarrassing and that was that was it that was what was happening for for, for my generation <laughs> yeah. um you know i just I, I just never found her interesting i didn't have a big response but somehow looking back i, I found it same thing very very interesting 
especially because mm-hmm. it's so what's what's being sold here you know not to you know malign it or anything is very much she's very involved she's telling mm-hmm. her story in a way she never did she was so trained into public statements practically like old hollywood stars and so reticent about everything that this mm-hmm. is really stuff you you just don't know you know you know the most yeah. what's getting the most traction is of course that she was she was raped mm-hmm. by um a, a, a hollywood producer she does not name yeah um and she she gives a quite detailed account everybody's after her for, for wanting all the juicy details it was horrifying um so you can read a lot of interviews with her comment commenting again about that but you know it's it's stuff about her mother that she never said she was always very seemed very loyal to her mother even though you can kind of look at the two of them and see mm-hmm. stage mom and almost captive child kind of written yes. on them but she was always so you know again she put up such an excellent front so just re-see her whole life with her commenting pretty frankly as far as we can judge anyway on things we you know we didn't really know about is, is has a fascination and especially again that first half is really seems more revelatory um then the yeah. second half when she's kind of trying to bring you up to date and do things like to me the most unsuccessful scene <laughs> is in the second half when it's they're just running the camera on her her husband and her two daughters <sighs> and they're trying to talk about pretty baby i think uh-huh. which is, was her notorious scandal first film when she's you know playing a uh a, the child of a prostitute played by susan sarandon in, in a brothel in new orleans in i don't know I think turn of the century and mm-hmm. she, her virginity gets hawked away to the customers basically and they show you clips from this from the film and of course it created a scandal it was a louis mall film so she's always been proud of it for it being the only kind of high art film she ever did in her life yeah. um but it was a scandal of of the day quite rightly and now it's quite shocking to watch you're just like god damn <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't think you can do that now but at any rate um um they're they're talking about it and they have so little to say little to nothing the husband literally is i can't remember his name he seems like a nice enough man um yeah. he's like he's doing the classic i'm just gonna sit here and listen and learn you know i don't totally. have any goddamn thing to say and the two daughters have very different reactions which i guess brooke shields has found important like that she each mm-hmm. one is entitled to their own reaction to her career and you know she wants to help them negotiate it and all that jazz but it's still it's just like really awkward and it doesn't seem super illuminating and it goes on and on and on um so that's that the little richard yeah. one i loved more just again because he's so incredible and yeah. he's one of those stars that are have a kind of omnipresence part a lot of it due to his own efforts he was just like out there constantly proclaiming mm-hmm. I'm the king of rock and roll. I'm the architect of rock and roll. He gave himself like 17 other titles. He really felt like in his lifetime, he was not getting his due. And he was on talk shows all the time. He was just everywhere. He'd show up on the Muppets. He'd show up anywhere. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt overly familiar with him in that illusory way that makes you think you know more than you do. And and so it was really interesting to be like, oh, I, I had no idea. I did not know. <laughs> I, I didn't know mm-hmm. a ton of this shit. Mm-hmm. So, so I really like that. Um, I, I will say, if we're just going to talk quickly about docs, um, um, the Little Richard one is directed by Lisa Cortez. She's getting a lot of, you know, attention, a lot of interviews, a lot of everything um, off of this documentary. She makes a couple of choices that I'm just, I don't know, maybe you like them better than me, but like, I uh-huh. didn't know even know what it was, but it's glitter. She's yeah. got like segues that are flying glitter. I, uh-huh. I literally am like, what the fuck is that? I literally couldn't get like what she was doing. And she'll also have montages of like protein plant growth, I think. Well, has- um is yeah. that right? <laughs> oh yeah, you're definitely you're definitely right. Okay, so and it's all there to sort of say, gosh, he had it going on. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's like like Little Richard's the origin of the universe. That's the story. I am everything, and yeah, and really yeah. insisting like he's the whole root. He's it. He he makes rock and roll, and that's his. You know, you know, he, and that's typical of him. Hugely extravagant claims. Some yeah. of it was partially justified, but certainly sure. not all. Sure. Um, but it is fascinating. I mean, many more people hugely influ- claiming to be hugely influenced by him than you realize. And from all, I was just reading it. And Lou Reed is another one who's just like, nope. I heard him say, I think it was Long Tall Salad. And he's just like, whatever that is, I want to be there. I want to build my <laughs> life on it. I mean, just, yeah, they really emphasize the Beatles. 
And there is a very touching photo of the Beatles, very, very young. They're not famous yet, but Little Richard is very famous, and he's the first famous person they ever meet. And they all have their hands on it, it, it just <laughs> on and, and so happy. And Little Richard is grinning in the middle, perfectly happy to have yeah. these four liver puddlians worshiping him. <laughs> and it's actually a really great shot that readjusts your thinking like he was it he was just so hugely famous um in those early success years of the you know mid to late 50s that that to see all of the beatles go being like oh we're touching him it's this is a religious experience is actually seems quite right and and a good readjustment to have yes and maybe should we take some time maybe we can start with like what argument we think the brook shields um you know doc is getting at and then what argument we think little richard's getting at yeah which is actually harder than i was thinking when i first thought of doing this yes let's do that i can start all right all right (laughs) well for me the weakness of the brook for me the i mean I don't want to overemphasize. Okay, for me, the weakness of the Brooke Shields documentary was, uh, mm. for me, its lack of argument or the confusion around what it yeah. was saying. And mm. then um, the Little Richard argument was perhaps overstated, <laughs> although <laughs> amusingly so, and in a way yeah. that I kind of like understand and can go with. So, mm. yeah, the Brooke Shields doc, I thought, I, I mean, the content of her life and her stardom mm. revolves around, uh, you know, young women being looked at. You know, right. that's like what, what it's about. And at the end of the day, I wasn't sure what the film thought about that. Or rather, I thought it was kind of like hedging its bets because mm-hmm. Brooke Shields herself throughout the film, and they keep mm-hmm. keep this in <laughs> in multiple instances, like insists she did not feel exploited in terms of like her body being sexually exploited as a little kid. Yeah. Um, and she even was, decla- she disclaims all understanding in those famous Calvin Klein ads, were, which were, again, <laughs> kind of hot bottom because they were so sexualized and she was only 15. Yeah. And they're overtly sexual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, the famous line is nothing comes, you know, what comes between me and my Calvin's nothing. She's not uh-huh. wearing any underwear, in short. But there was a whole series of them and they're all heavily sexual. She claims, well, so they were actually giving me lines. I forget one was a poem she's reciting. I forget. Till and Thomas, mm-hmm. I forget who it was. Somebody. Um, and she was just thinking, wow, for once, somebody's asking me to do something where I actually have to memorize lines and do something intelligent. And that's all her <laughs> whole focus. But it's her whole focus to the point that you're like, really? Mm-hmm. It's, but I, yeah, I very, it's, yeah. I just associate it with her overall affect, which I've always found like she that for someone who is always being touted as she's the overly sexualized girl of the world, she mm-hmm. always seemed like she wasn't in it. And the famous example is when her toe gets pinched by who the hell was it again? She tells the story off camera. She's uh, in the love scene in yeah, Endless um, Love, I think. Uh, Zeffirelli. It's Zeffirelli. Zeffirelli. Who does it. Yeah. yeah. And he pinches and he can't get her to register ecstasy. Later, she's talked further about it. Like, he didn't talk to me about, like, what do you mean? He didn't describe what the experience was. She's like, mm-hmm. if directors could have directed, it would have helped. But instead, yeah. he would just pinch and twit, like, painfully twist her toe off screen. So she'd grimace. Is a way mm-hmm. of representing passion. So anyway, but that very much was her affect to me. Like she was in it, but not of it in this way that she didn't seem to be registering any of the sexuality that was a big storm around her all the time. But anyway, here yeah. you go. Well, no, you're right. You're right. And like one can only wonder, I mean, that seems like obviously self-protective and necessary in mm. a lot of ways. But mm. I also wonder like, you know, there's like, uh, there's an idea that things aren't, like, I hope I'm not misreading Foucault's history of sexuality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes into the way that things aren't traumatic necessarily to people unless their society recognizes them as traumatic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, whatever, like we can, I, can I, I don't know one, the answer. Yeah. To, we kind of know Shields. what it means. If there isn't a societal shaming, uh-huh. you know, it's not, is that what it means? It's not like, yeah, if the society exactly. doesn't recognize it as shameful, you're going to be much less likely to recognize something as shameful at the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Way. Like, and you know, Foucault's talking about, you know, like the practice in ancient Greece of like, you know, older men hauling off a young man <laughs> to mm-hmm. be their like sex slave protege <laughs> until, mm-hmm. the, until the young man came of age. And that's like mm-hmm. a normal, pra- if it's a quote, normal practice, then the young men aren't necessarily experiencing it as traumatizing, or at least there's no like historical evidence um, that people thought of it that way. So blah, blah, blah. Anyways, it, it kind of like, came to mind when she was talking about herself. And I, you know, I was kind of thinking like, well, I mean, 
who are who is the world to tell her like no you were traumatized if she's insisting she really wasn't she really wasn't and right yeah and i you know yeah. i'm inclined to believe her there were plenty she seems very smart there are plenty of traumatizing things in her life which she narrates mm-hmm. there's you know the awful experience working with zeffirelli and the toe twisting mm-hmm. there's yeah. the rape which is horrendous um but for there's her a hor- like, and the rape occurs at a time of absolute career doldrums she goes from being hot as a pistol to just being dropped like a rock so she has and no one's hiring her for anything and that's how partly how it comes about she's so desperate to get back into the business and yeah. the guy uses that fact um yeah anyway Go ahead. Absolutely. But, you know, so I, I mean, so this is the question around Burke mm. Shields from the beginning is mm. like the, you know, the sort of like social conversation about young women and mm-hmm. young women being sexualized. And I also didn't really this documentary opened my eyes to the like historical specificity of young women being represented that way. And I was shocked by many of her ads. She Mm. was 11, 12 and like looking, you know, all made up like a, like an adult, like an alluring woman, which was very unsettling. Um, And I didn't realize that like, this is a thing that kind of like cropped up in the early Mm -hmm. seventies. And the the answer given, which I'm not totally convinced by, but like maybe the answer given Mm -hmm. by the doc is that second wave feminism made women difficult (laughs) for the culture. And so Mm -hmm. the idea was to project uh, all of the, you know, easy sexuality or easy sex um yeah. onto girls uh, which mm-hmm. i guess is you know could be I, I haven't really thought about that um yeah i so- thought that's startling too i hadn't thought of it either um yeah and they, but they, they kind of make a leap though they go from like aren't they going from like marilyn monroe and the womanly body like, yeah at least they're recognizably young women they're in their 20s you know you can see that they're fully developed and everything and then you get this leap to yeah children are easier because <laughs> yeah. now we've gone through you know the 60s and jane fonda and, and all of these people and, and and it's not being made readily available to us anymore so we make the leap kid yeah yeah and it, it is kind of makes sense yeah there's like tatum o'neill there's yeah. you know jodie foster like that's mm-hmm. it's i guess it's true there's like this whole spate of little like people yeah, done up little, like little lolitas yeah little lolitas exactly yeah yeah So that's, yeah, that, that, that was interesting. Um, so, but like, all right. So back to like Brooke Shields herself, who is very well-spoken and I was, you know, very Mm -hmm. impressed with her throughout the, Mm -hmm. um, documentary, but she's, you know, she starts by saying really the posing for the pictures, the doing the Mm -hmm. Calvin Klein ads, the doing Mm -hmm. the Louis Malle film, pretty baby. These things were not traumatizing to me. I didn't have a Mm -hmm. sense of sex. I don't know. I didn't know, you know, I felt like I was treated very well, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, you know, as she gets through to the, uh, you know, she narrates some more events when she's older, she gets raped by a producer Mm -hmm. in her twenties. Um, you know, and then Mm -hmm. she's got that awful experience with Zeffirelli. By the end, we like the film introduces her daughters in that like really Mm -hmm. overlong sequence that Mm -hmm. Eileen was talking about. (laughs) And the daughters at the table, like, it's very inconclusive. The daughters Mm -hmm. obviously understand that pretty baby is problematic. They can't quite articulate why because they're, they're teenagers, you know, they're not, Mm -hmm. they're smart, but it's kind of hard to say why. Mm -hmm. Um, They can just say like, and Brooke Shields keeps saying like, that couldn't be made today, right? And they say, yeah. And she says, why? And they just say, like, things have changed, but they can't really Mm -hmm. articulate how, you know. Mm -hmm. And you can't tell or I can't tell by the end. It seems to me like Brooke Shields still holds her views that she does not consider those films or her experience exploitative. She's Mm -hmm. not really saying it. She's letting her daughters have the final say. But it's confused, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. because her her testimony is quite clear. Their reasons for condemning like the existence of say pretty baby are Mm -hmm. murkier because they're kids, you know, Mm -hmm. and they haven't really thought it through. They bring on some experts to weigh in on like, you know, like female representation in the Mm -hmm. media and stuff, but no one has a clear, uh, to me, there weren't like clear condemnations of how we should think of like pretty baby, you know, I still don't know how to think of it. Um, So I'm glad you mentioned Jodie Foster because it's an interesting compare. Both both had mothers who might be called stereotypically stage mothers um, who managed mm-hmm. their careers. Both did an early quote unquote art film, a film for a very respected director. So the Louis Mall one, and then of course Taxi Driver has always been controversial with Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. And both 
almost used identical language. Like, like we never thought of it in terms of how how much we're being exploited. It's an art. I mean, just reverently, especially Jody, because Jodie Foster had that whole high culture thing. You know, studied French at a very high level and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, that th- their their whole defense was based on there's a, for art. It's different. It's not. It's not. You can't just dismiss it that way. And so with mm-hmm. the same kind of reverence for that, and for Brooke Shields, it's more poignant, I think, because it, that was her only, she said, it was my, the only time yeah. <laughs> I was ever in such a serious film in my life that seemed like there was so much brilliance being invested in it. And mm-hmm. it, that's very touching, actually, in a way. Yeah. Um, she, you could see her, her face when her daughters are sort of saying that, and, and that she doesn't want, you can just see the resistance in her face. Like, she doesn't want to let pretty baby go. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And it's a trap for the two mothers. The two mothers, I'm sure, even though it doesn't get said, the two mothers, it's like, yes, I'm not exploiting my child. My child is working with important directors and is doing great things. So Mm. I'm sure that's tangled up in it as well. Uh, Yeah. Undeniably. I I don't know. So I, ugh. And maybe this is a virtue of the film at the end of the day. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I was was a bit confused. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It, it, maybe, I don't know, it is very, maybe it's a relief. It is kind of inconclusive. I mean, I thought there was also more, it also has a more traditional arc in that, you know, there's the very much the 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 way Brooke Shields takes power over time. One of them, yes. ironically, is she marries um, tennis great Andre Agassi. Andre Agassi. Or, or Agassi, <laughs> that's how you say it. And even though it, it ends in divorce and he's a super domineering personality and, it, you know, it gets he's super jealous and all of these problematic behaviors. She just says very sensibly, and she's a very sensible person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she says very sensibly, I, I probably needed him to get to break out of my relationship with my mother. I was going to have to have somebody who was going to have to take over my life, essentially, and blast me out of the relationship, yes. the, dom- the relationship being dominated by my mother. So he yeah. has this weird use of getting her out of this way too, you know, symbiotic thing she's, she's in with her, with her mother. Um, absolutely and that is so yeah yeah, and that's so old school stardom too right like how many (laughs) like mgm stars you know escaped their (laughs) mothers by getting married at the age of like 20 to you know to Artie shaw probably all of them (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) um you know and yeah so so that was that was you know that was nicely handled and you know there was some odd there was one i'll just mention one oddity of course, they trace Brooke Shield. The question of her talent and her one of her biggest agonies is even as she was like the most famous and it, she was so famous. And it did remind me of that. She was everywhere for a while. It was just mm-hmm. it was crazy how much you just saw Brooke Shields everywhere. Yeah. And and that but she was always being talked about. Well, essentially, it's a face. You know, there's a nice lanky body hanging off it. But it's this face yeah. that's for whatever reason riveted everyone. It looks Indeed, made up to look older than she is, and that's part of the fascination. Uh, she's very beautiful, no question, and all that. But weird, and there's all these weird talk shows she's on where people are just like interrogating her and with guy, you know, men. Like, so I think you're an exquisitely beautiful young woman, and it's I don't know, Merv Griffin or <laughs> Mike oh, yeah, Douglas or I something. And it's like Ugh. I think it was Mike Douglas. He was like, going, uh. and apparently this didn't make it in. I don't know why. I read a great anecdote where Barbara Walters had the 15 year old Brooke Shields stand up. So they could compare their measurements. Oh I'm my God! Why is You're Barbara like, Walters the worst? <laughs> she's the worst. I was just like, oh. why did that not make it in? That is a brilliant story. Oh my God! Oh my God! Leave her alone! Leave her alone! <laughs> I know. So agonizing. So it's tracing all this crap that goes on, and she's super famous. But then it's like you know the weird thing for Brooke Shields is she actually did want to be an actor. You know, she really yeah. did. And so how she has to like go back to like. Broadway to do a revival of Greece and actually oh, first yeah. she goes to Princeton of course big deal in the press you know yeah. gets into acting it helps break her out of her kind of frozen feeling of being isolated there and sort of recovers her love of performing and so then you go on to you know then she gets her own TV show and blah 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 and why that runs aground but at least she gets she gets she feels clearly some sort of cred back to be able to perform mm-hmm. what they leave out there's a there's a you know completely not inconsequential sitcom called The Middle that ran for quite a long time, um, mm-hmm. and she played a recurring role as and it went as far from Brooke Shields. She, she, by then she's in her forties or early fifties, something like that, mm-hmm. and she had to play a really really tough 
hardened working class woman who actually terrifies the the protagonist, um, played by Patricia Heaton, who's oh her next God. door neighbor, because she's so tough and she's got like the cigarette hanging off her lips. She's got, I think it's like four horrifyingly monstrous little sons, and that she throws out of the house in the morning and never never bothers with again, and you know, and and she has to go all out, and she's really pretty good. She's really yeah. like she's freed by having to play something that's nothing associated with Brooke Shields. She's actually quite funny. She has good yeah. time. I was shocked. And then it's not there. I was like, that oh. was the perfect one to show, to show how she now is really an actor. She really pulled that thing off. Aww. And they didn't. I have no idea why. Maybe she had an unpleasant experience behind the scenes. Who knows? But oh, for whatever maybe reason, that's such a bummer. Who knows? But it's not there to show you like, no, she's really funny. And that's really a character. And there's nothing like her. And she looks nothing like her usual self. And, and it was nice. And I kept thinking. I wish it could have been because it was like, did she was she harking back to her mother? Her mother's this mm-hmm. little toughie, <laughs> you know, and her mother's kind of fascinating when she's young because she's just too she has too much vitality. Mm-hmm. It's very Stella Dallas. Her mother is kind of has a oh, kind of God. You're so right. Oh, it's so Stella. I was shocked. It's, she's got this totally brassy working class mother of Titanic ambition who manages to land this ultra bland conservative rich dude. who's super handsome insanely handsome and only keeps him long enough to basically conceive a child and then they're so completely impossible a couple you know that that she bails essentially and doesn't want any alimony Mm -hmm. other than to support the the child she wanted the schooling paid for for Mm -hmm. but they can't but but then you get this child brooke shields who's actually a lot like her father Mm-hmm. You know, kind of sensible, quieter sensibilities, um, you know, practical, um, you know, kind of has high values, you know, and she yep. winds up being her mother's caretaker. And it's so yeah. Stella Dallas. If you don't know Stella Dallas, what's oh, wrong with God. you? You need to watch the Barbara Strandwick version. It's an important. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it and really I- is just incredible how much she's negotiating um, that impossible situation, which, by the way, if you know the end of Stella Dallas, involves the young woman has got to leave that mother. She can't yeah. be carrying the, the 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 dead weight. Eventually, it's cruel, but true of the mother if she's going to be able to move on her own in the world. Yeah, and so Brooke, Brooke Shields' mom was an alcoholic yeah. for you know like all of her life, increasingly worse over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems, I mean, she's it's uh, again. I am kind of gobsmacked by the different attitudes at different yeah. times. Like I, her her interviews with the press about things like pretty baby you know like uh, at the, it, they express the same things you were saying about art film you know yeah. like well it's art and mm-hmm. i was i'm both like I, i'm kind of nostalgic for a time <laughs> when people I value art yeah, so yeah when, like say enough said like in, in a yeah. reverent tone and that's that yeah that would never right. pass muster not for a second now exactly and yeah. and let me be clear before the hate mail rolls in i'm right, nostalgic right. for the for the time when people were reverent about art when uh-huh. that seemed like you know a very good reason to do a thing um and i you know uh, again i don't really i don't have an opinion on pretty baby yet i'm working on it <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, so um, I haven't either. I deliberately missed. I just really was not into the Brookshields phenomena in a profound way. I wish I had it. It's, yeah, it's but it's very uncomfortable viewing. Even the they, yeah. they have some long, you know, clips from it, and it's really uncomfortable. I mean, she has a long. Her first kiss in life, Brookshields, is with Keith Carradine. Yeah, he wins her. He wins her, and and there has to be a protective. And she's like, of course, she feels nothing. She's so little. And she, oh, said, totally. she said it was so uncomfortable because Louis Mal keeps you. You have to keep pressing and pressing and pressing. Yeah, her, her and Keith Carradine. And, yeah, there was like a sweet story that he oh, yes. like, took her aside and said, "Don't worry, this doesn't count. This doesn't count. <laughs> this isn't your yeah. real first kiss. This is a fake make believe." And it was she, and she's always been grateful. She said he was wonderful. He was very sweet, and understanding, and great. But yeah. that's a weird ass fucking thing. Oh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there's so a weird. little kid in the scene where her virginity's being hawked. 
And you're yeah. like, yeah, okay. And yeah. then the kissing, and then you don't, I don't even want to know what else. I don't know. I know. Who like, knows what else is in there? And it's, it's so true. It's rough. like, I mean, obviously you're supposed to be titillated. Like how else could the film oh, work yeah. if you're not supposed to be? And yeah. it's, you know, it's very difficult to let yourself feel that way. <laughs> so yeah. I don't yeah. think uh, there are probably a lot of mental blocks to enjoying that film, but um, right. I don't know. But, but again, right. it was, it shows you like how, I mean, really like I pendulum has swung back oh, in favor yeah. of being you know people are just nervous about I, I i mean obviously this young woman like it's important to protect children and not let them be sexually exploited mm-hmm. but also like today just like in general there's a larger um like inflammatory response related to pretty much any kind of sex on screen mm-hmm. um, or anything sexy on screen. And it just, it was like kind of shocking how much that was not true when her mom's yeah. being at, you know, interviewed in the seventies right. much more. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's quite, that all that early stuff is really quite startling. And you know, her whole relationship yeah. to her mother is of course, naturally it's a troubling one. And you know, it tr- very much scars her life in that she's got to take care of from the earliest earliest years an alcoholic mother <laughs> and has yeah. to be prepared you know and i think who is her girlfriend friend is it laura linney it was laura it's, linney uh, right? yeah it's laura linney right? weird laura linney, yeah and so laura linney is describing like oh no we, we we would have to lock ourselves in if i was playing with brooke we'd lock ourselves into a room if her if her mother came in and, and was fully drunk and we'd yeah. have to wait until it got quiet <laughs> and then we would slip out whatever and i could leave or whatever but yeah it was a, just a constant process of brooke shields having to negotiate the, the alcoholism and it would yeah. come up as, as it got more extreme people began to get wind of it and it would come up in talk show interviews <laughs> and then yeah. of course there they are having to deny it and brooke shields having to deny it and she's what 12 i mean i don't know yeah. the whole thing is just astoundingly awful <laughs> you're just like it's wow crazy. it's amazing and, that, that she preserved as much sanity as she apparently did she seems like that's what well. i'm saying i can't believe like usually this is not like an unfamiliar pattern in show business but usually by the time the children are older they mm. even if they started out straight arrows because they had to to survive they usually end up some kind of addict oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. or usually go through some very messy phase from which they have to recover it's i, I don't you know we'll never know the truth but it seems like that wasn't a part of brooke shield's life she was not never an addict she no. never seemed really out of control like how did she manage that oh, I know. and then in her stories of being like the supposed supposedly first major girlfriend of michael jackson <laughs> and i had forgotten all about that that they were considered a yeah. couple for a while and of course she's like oh there was never any of course there wasn't and right. she's at a one point he tries to kiss her or he kisses her and she's like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> Not what we're here we're like we can't play the role in private that we're letting them believe in public that's not the thing and she just yeah. said oh i was just his supportive buddy yes because we were both so crazy famous i mean you know you get into the limo and they rock the car because they're all trying to get you and we had, it was all gray and we just had the <laughs> yeah but she's always the sensible one who's apparently completely straight in the head not on anything um knows how to negotiate it so she's just like prematurely which i guess isn't that unusual for someone who's you know taking care of an alcoholic parent she's gotta she's gotta be someone's gotta be right apparently absolutely so anyway that's her but you know i will say and this is a sick thing to say so i just prepare yourselves everyone (laughs) it it what it's not very star quality as a rule Uh you know the, the very messed up the you know the judy garland story usually (laughs) <laughs> Stardom is about letting, you know, some part of yourself or all of yourself is going to get taken over by it. Brooke Shields never is taken over by it at all. Yeah. So she still has the quality of like a, a nice soccer mom or something. Oh, for <laughs> and I sure. Think it's part of how come not drug addicted on anything. She is essentially in her personal zone, like she seems like just a sensible regular person. But that's not yep. star. That's not what a star often is, you know? Yeah. She she kind of lacks a certain wattage, you know? For sure. For sure. And it it might be, I don't want to say for sure, but it might be related to artistic risk taking or like lack thereof, you know? Um, Or like ability, maybe. I I mean, I just, I don't know. Um, Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Even her performance style, even when you kind of like her and she's very likable. You feel mm-hmm. like there's the restraint on her of someone who isn't a full actor, really. 
I hate to say yeah. that because, you know, she had to struggle her whole life with everyone questioning whether she had any talent at all. And yeah. I think she did have some, like I said, I already attested. She's actually very funny <laughs> in this one little sitcom that is of no consequence whatsoever, but there it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's always a feeling like she's almost, you know, obviously she's better than I would have been, but there's almost something in her that can't give over to a performance. Right. She's too sane a person. She's had to be too sane a person. Something like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting that you bring up MJ. Part of one thing that was like a little bit alienating in the documentary to me, but also true, mm -hmm. was the way they were narrating what to me is like normal stardom. But yeah. really, they're right, is 20th century stardom when mm -hmm. they're, there's like a the moment where they frame what kind of a star Brooke Shield was for the mm -hmm. contemporary Hulu viewer. Yeah. And they're like, um, at, there was a time when everyone knew the same stars. <laughs> everyone <laughs> watched right. the same media and oh, read the so same nice. magazines and yeah. everyone knew who a person was. was. And I was like, oh my <laughs> God. God. Holy oh shit, God. I'm old. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, Yes, that is stardom to me. But then they they meaningfully contrasted it with all these fuckers I had uh, never seen or heard of uh -huh. from like the contemporary moment to say right. like instead of like lots of people ha you know being um you know knowing their like niche stars from their niche mm -hmm. interests and then they showed a montage of like seven people on the red carpet who I've never seen in my life <laughs> so, <laughs> and I was like oh. I am old. Okay. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck are these people? <laughs> someone says star will be like, this is an old fashioned term that refers to we really exactly. where there is no such thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I so know. that was yeah. alienating. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I've forgotten that. Yes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, maybe, but then, maybe it's a good. Yeah. It's a perfect segue because then you yes. can go to someone who not only claims stardom, said from the time he was a little kid, he was destined for stardom and he was all that all the time. And really, it seems that seems right. Is little Richard. You know, <laughs> yeah. you kind of forget. I, I had kind of forgotten the impact of little Richard, but he was so famous. I mean, they talk about he, he got so famous from a string of hit songs, you know, that, you know, the most famous Tutti Fruity. Uh, mm -hmm. Good Golly, Miss Molly, Long Tall Side. There was a whole string of huge, colossal crossover hits, uh, mainstream hits that he was so famous, he no longer had to generate new music. He mm -hmm. was just that famous. He could always tour if he wanted to tour. He just was a name at that point where, you know, he didn't have to do anything more to, to be a name. Everyone knew who Little Richard was. Um, yeah. And that seems right. Little Richard is a kind of, he's the, he's the highest wattage. <laughs> The systems will bear, and so that was yes. kind of wonderful to re to to be reminded. Oh my God, he's just he's just incandescently great. He's so good. Oh, he's amazing yeah. and so creative. Like he, yeah. I mean, am I right? He made up tutti frutti kind of on the spot. Yes, he made it, up the filthy song about anal sex. Tutti tutti frutti, good booty. Everyone knows this now, but uh, if yeah. You don't want... <laughs> um, yeah, and then of course it gets rewritten so it can be a mainstream song, and then Pat <laughs> does his notorious re-recording of Tutti Frutti, which is still funny. It's still hilarious. <laughs> still yeah. hilarious. Yeah, yeah, he just made it up. Yeah. He, yeah, he seems so just like game for anything. I mean, so mm. maybe we should set up his um, yeah. childhood and explain like yes. why it's probably necessary for him to be able to just, you know, generate yeah. entertainment at the drop of a hat. So he's one of 12. He's yeah. uh, born to a family in Macon, Georgia. His dad is a minister and mm -hmm. owns a nightclub yes. and makes um, uh, bootleg hooch bootleg. Uh, yeah. as a, you know, a side hustle. And the dad is so handsome, um, yeah, which they yeah. didn't explicitly mention, but they keep showing his photo. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> like a I very, know. very handsome man. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, so uh, Richard is born and uh, I guess he's a little bit um, like oddly proportioned, like one of mm -hmm. his legs is longer than the other. One of his arms is longer than the other. Mm -hmm. He still seems like a pretty cute kid, but it's obvious mm -hmm. from early on that he's queer. 
Mm-hmm. So his dad pretty much rejects him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Richard talks about this a lot with a lot of pain. You know, mm-hmm. there's, he felt like he couldn't do anything right. But um, his mom loved him. And um, he learned blues by hanging out in his dad's uh, bar. He learned, obviously, hymns in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a, he got kicked out of the house, basically, when he was a teen. And he started working at, like, a, a queer club in Macon, Georgia, where all kinds of people mixed. And TikTok, I think. And TikTok looked like a great place. <laughs> it does. <laughs> one wishes yeah. one could go now. Yes. Yeah. And there were drag acts and he concocts a drag character called, what is it called? Princess Livonia? Princess Lava. It, well, that's a little bit later, but yeah. That's Princess. Yeah, that's for the, um, uh, in the, on the Chitlin circuit. On the Chitlin circuit. That's right. Earlier, yeah. it's, it's, isn't it all the blues, the completely raw material of a lot of blues singers? You know, a kind of big mouth. Yeah. So Sister. Scene. Sister Rosetta Tharp comes. Rosetta Tharp comes. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, he run. Uh, so one of the uh, uh, an issue, you know, my really only issue with this film, which mm. I really loved, is that <laughs> it does position Little Richard as the beginning of all rock and roll. But yeah. it also, like, you know, acknowledges Sister Rosetta Tharp. Yeah. Um, it was the inspiration <laughs> behind mm-hmm. his some of his driving beats, and you mm-hmm. know, even like along with her, they didn't mention her, but like Odetta exists. You mm-hmm. know, Ike Turner's Rocket Eighty Eight mm-hmm. um, is it's like all this stuff is in the air. His piano. They do talk about that. I was yeah. glad that they talk about you know. He- me too. Inspired by Ike Turner, and he has a really demanding piano playing style that he becomes a kind of top um, figure in doing it. And and you know, it's not just pounding <laughs> witlessly at the keys; each hand is doing something very, very different and very demanding. So that was cool. Yeah, that was yeah, very cool. That. Uh-huh. So it, it seems, you know, on one hand, the film is, it has to acknowledge Richard's influences. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's proclaiming that he's the origin of all rock and roll. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's too much too far mm-hmm. uh we don't mm-hmm. have to have a single origin you know we can if if the are i think you know the argument has been well proven the origins of rock and roll are black and that's what's been neglected with this little richard documentary we fill in that the origins of rock and roll are black and queer and that seems like a necessary um mm-hmm. you know addition mm-hmm. um kind of silly to put one person <laughs> as the originator of mm-hmm. something that's like in the cult you know a, a cultural a moment coming from mm-hmm. like a couple of different vectors um but mm-hmm. still still great so anyway yeah richard is wild and like does what he has to do and it seems like he has he just has like the biggest appetite for everything like he's mm-hmm. having orgies he mm-hmm. plays three shows a day like his mm-hmm. energy is like off the freaking charts and, and his he's just look pouring is fearless sweat. and you know with all these close-ups on him when he's doing these shows and he's just and you're just like he's giving everything, and he would do, he would do these entrances where he'd leap from the balcony. Yeah. <laughs> so people like the you know the Rolling Stones, they also worship him. Are just like yeah. Before he comes through, everyone's sort of stayed and stayed just standing still <laughs> playing their instruments. It's only like what you could use the whole stage. You could yes. do all this wild <laughs> stuff in any direction. Why are we all standing here like idiots? So that kind of thing, which seems. Like you wouldn't think of is nice to give him credit for. He's such such a wild man that that he's just tearing up the turf and reorganizing people's thinking about what their performances can be as he goes. For sure. And I, you know, also like I think hmm, uh, I I was raised a little bit later than the generation Mm -hmm. that was raised with the myth that Elvis started rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Um, Me too. I I never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think people my age like know a little better. And then, of course, those people who are like just more well informed about music from, you know, any generation. But um, this this is even though like that may seem odd to people who don't mm-hmm. know that narrative. I think it's important to state how pervasive that narrative was. Yeah that you know elvis is the beginning of everything so this is an important corrective to that Mm. and i i really had no idea that little richard was not really honored by like the grammys or whatever he Mm. he really the documentary makes it clear he was part of the first um set of inductees to the rock and roll hall of fame Mm. but he got in a huge car accident that night so he couldn't attend which is terrible absolutely devastating and Mm. then the only other time he was honored was for some other award that to me isn't very famous Mm. um 
a lot of people like famous people were gathered and i'm sorry the name is like is, of the award is escaping escaping me but it's you know mm-hmm. it's not a grammy it's not a whatever it is some sort of lifetime achievement award and mm-hmm. finally then he felt recognized but yeah i mean it's it's scandalous that the grammys never gave him anything mm-hmm. or yeah. you know whatever um and it's true yeah, like and you it can was see very- why he became so maniacal when he was in pub- making public appearances of he was just shouting <laughs> That he, he did it with a lot of humor, but it was still very intent. Like, I'm, I did all this. This is, I am great. You, 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 that he had to keep underscoring it seemed like very much about he's just not getting the recognition that he should have. Yeah. Totally. And that is scandalous. And so I'm mm-hmm. glad this documentary does exist to counter mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. I was really interested in the, like, ah, the, 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 <sighs> The doc was almost great on his mm. sexuality. There, mm. there were times when I thought, oh, okay, this is where it was at its best. So little Richard, and I didn't know this, um, went back and forth between mm. being like the queerest man yeah. to ever fart rainbows, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and like but just basically be openly gay, even mm-hmm. on mainstream TV, you mm-hmm. know, wear all his outrageous outfits, talk mm-hmm. about orgies, whatever, to being uh, devoutly religious yeah. and um, trying to be with women and occasionally being with women. Yeah, he Sometimes he's for some short period of time. Yeah, he's married yeah. to a religious woman when he's when he's, you know, what he's, he's a theology student and then a minister. Yeah. Yeah. During his first period of reform, he has like yeah. two or three throughout his yeah. life. He goes back and forth between like singing the gospel and, mm. you know, looking clean and then mm. um, doing his rock and roll thing and, you know, looking mm. more, more queer. Um, and I think that those are both parts of him that mm-hmm. I think the mistake in narrating yes, sexuality, right, in our times is that he is... Just one has gay. to be a true self and one has to be a false self. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And like some of the commentators touched on that. Mm-hmm. And I it, I just, it was, I wish they gave more space to that idea because I think mm-hmm. little Richard totally embodies that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go back and forth. And I don't think necessarily that when he was with his, you know, like lawful um, straight marriage wife, mm-hmm. that he wasn't in it, Was you know, or didn't. Come on, this is it's yeah. so schematic. You can't believe it. It's built into him. His his father is a minister running essentially a juke joint and bootlegging, you know, business. On exactly. The side. It was like built into him. So that's what's so wonderful. How completely he goes back and forth. I mean, I didn't know about the early how early it. I thought later in life. He, uh-huh. he became a. I had no idea at the height of his fame. I mean, what is it, fifty-seven? Yeah. He, yeah. he he has an experience. He has an epiphany that, that he's on an airplane. I don't even think he's yet into the major drinking drug addiction years. No, he's not an addict yet. And he becomes convinced angels are holding the plane up. And then later he sees a fiery explosion, and he thinks they're all signs from God. And later it's. It turns out it's the Sputnik. Sputnik. <laughs> but, but he's convinced that it's a sign from God telling him you have got to get right with the Lord. And so he leaves at the absolute white hot peak of fame, gives it all up and goes to, to be to study theology and become a minister. And he does it, which is mm-hmm. wild. And that's a couple of years. And then, of course, he winds up, you know, being persuaded. He needs money too, um, to go yeah. on tour. And I think it's. In England, where he's revered, he's absolutely revered, and of course he takes that on, and then of course back, he's negotiating the back and forth in so one way or another for the rest of his life. It seems like, yeah, but that's incredible. No one leaves at the top. No one. No one. Insane. His his bandmates even said, "If you're serious, throw your rings, which were hugely valuable, into oh, right. the ocean." And, and he, he did. did. <laughs> yes. He's so a yes. Wild who, is, man. who is there to say that's not really him? Obviously, exactly. That's a it huge. Keep- part of him yeah it's almost like his life is like 50 50 half of it Mm -hmm. is spent being a bible thumper Mm -hmm. and half of it and walking the straight and narrow and half of it is spent you know shooting Mm -hmm. rainbow rockets out of his butt on stage like the you know fiery amazing well and miracle that he is the charismatic gospel and singing style of the black church is of course got a lot to do with his his whole rock and roll performance style so it's yes. not even that divided. That's what's a little frustrating for him. Is the, the, the only thing is you feel like it was kind of painful. 
You know, yeah. like he had to go f- back and forth and like, you know, completely give up one to do the other when it seemed like he was blending it, you know, in a way. But, you know, totally he, he had to. Um, and of yeah. course, like he had to he had to condemn the homosexuality. And, yeah. you know, I, that does, uh, you know, that hurts. Of course, that hurts people mm. in the world, you know, but like who can't how could one not be sympathetic to his position? You know, be nearly imp- it's uh, there's so much rhetoric that he was just raised with that, mm-hmm. you know that you know homosexuality is a sin but it was the the commentators who spoke about it the best i thought talked about how um life is a spectrum you know Mm. and also like innovation happens on a spectrum and he little richard shows you you can occupy you know different spectra and Mm. and um that's not only possible you know like it's it's a brilliant way to be Mm so. Yeah, I thought that was um, it, it like almost was good about the way it handled that. But sometimes some commentators would sort of like relapse into he must be crushing, you know, the the most real part of himself to be the Bible thumper. But it's like, no, that's like almost in a part of himself that shares like equal real, real estate with the other part, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, so he's, yeah, that makes, and it really does make him a kind of thrilling, that's part, I would argue that's part, most people would say, no, it's the the only that other side that is the thrilling part. They both seem thrilling because they're both so radical. It's so radical to try to combine those those things and to be so frank about it. Be going on talk shows. I mean, talk shows were once amazing. (laughs) Incredibly (laughs) famous people would go on talk shows and say the most unbelievable stuff. They just say it. Incredible. Yeah. But anyway, he'd just go on there and be like, yep, I was the gayest person who ever lived. And now, of course, I know I can't do that because he was in one of his phases. But the the absolute out frontness of it was just so startling. And you're just like, how? I I was partway through it going, how did you have the nerve? And he he does make some interesting claims. He claims that, in fact, it was part of his safety early on. To to wear makeup and have the huge oh, right. door and 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 have you know quote unquote effeminate mannerisms that it gave him cover because so many white girls loved him and were literally throwing panties on the stage and everything else which was going to be like hugely controversial obviously and yes. that somehow that that those qualities allowed him to move through the system easier and I've read interviews. I don't think it's in the movie, but I've read interviews with the director and she's tried to suggest he, he can't be telling the truth about that. And I'm like, he totally can't. <laughs> yeah. It was an era of weird sexual ignorance. It really was. I mean, liberality. Totally. I mean, people didn't seem to get a lot of cues in mainstream America. That niche Definitely. America, you know, when minority areas would totally get, but mainstream didn't get. So that could absolutely, I would think that's absolutely 100% true. Me too. It yeah. may, it, that makes perfect sense perfect to me. Sense. You have to be like a super pretty boy Sur- to seem yes, like you're not going to be. softer. If he'd been too macho, yeah, that would have been more threatening. He couldn't have been James Brown, not nope. right out of the gate. No no way. I mean, there's, this is fascinating. I was just reading a, a biography of Nat King Cole, and you know, Nat King Cole starts off as a, a jazz, he's got a famous jazz trio. and. He sits at the piano and he's a master pianist. And what it took for him as he becomes more and more famous for singing and they want the singing to be emphasized, it took so much nerve to get up in front of the microphone. Why? Because he's singing love songs. Oh. And to stand up at the microphone is more like casting yourself in the role of the romantic figure. And it's white. He's got a huge white woman following. I mean, he's got a huge following, but and that's more threatening. So it took him years. He'd, he'd sort of play half turned away from the piano. It took him years before he felt yeah. it's safe enough to, for me to stand up in front of the microphone like Frank Sinatra would. So these yeah. kinds of negotiations you don't even think about ha- were had to be thought about. So, you know, I think I think that's I, I was watching it going, how is he getting how is he getting away with this? It's amazing. That's one way. But there's also mm-hmm. the other side. He's getting busted by the cops. He's getting beaten arrested hauled off to jail repeatedly as he's touring repeatedly. the south and you're like he's yeah. just incredibly tough he's just had he's had a rough life and he is prepared to get yep. hauled off the stage arrested <laughs> knocked around thrown in the jail have to get bail the whole thing he's living that yes yeah he didn't make nearly enough of that i thought 
I yeah, that, I thought so too. They, they, yeah, they, they highlighted what like three articles, newspaper mm-hmm. articles that talked about at least three different beatings and arrests, and yeah. that's kind of it. That's kind of <laughs> it. I mean, imagine yeah. the nerve it takes to just keep doing it, doing it, doing it, yeah. knowing that is very likely to happen to you. I just, Jesus Christ, <laughs> that is Ooh. amazing. And while you're courting it, I mean, you know, he's so amazing in his look. You can't say enough about his look. Stunning. Yeah. He really transforms yeah. himself into the most amazing looking man. And there's a great anecdote of, you know, later, in, a little later in his career, Janis Joplin is up on stage and she's giving her all. And of course, she's brilliant and great. And she's so on fire that she's getting encore after encore until she's practically passing out on the stage and he's got to follow her. And, you know, the legend of Little Richard was no one could follow him. So he had uh. to close. No one could come on after him because he was, <laughs> he just ripped everything to shreds and tore it all up. So yeah. he does. So what is he going to do? He goes and changes into his mirror suit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah. that when the lights hit him, it's just a blinding, brilliant flash. It's just like a way of announcing, I'm going to top that. <laughs> and you're just like, man, I just love you so much. That is just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> his sense of show business is unrivaled. Yeah. Like, you know, no one can, no one can put on a better show no <laughs> so. God. just give it give it all 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 and just that you know then the, there is a lot then the, the among the stronger sections is just the impact of him and the and the exhilaration of yeah. people just like here is joy here is the joy of life <laughs> here, yes. here is everything we're hoping to break free of. this is what freedom could look like this is what our lives could look like if we could get out of this horrible you know, 50s nightmare straitjacket that we're all in, that we could break out like this. God, imagine what a paradise it could be. And so that's conveyed really well. Um, totally. And yeah. like also through the anecdotes of the teenagers um, mm. and, and the way that his music in particular, like made black and white teenagers want to mix. Yes. You, you hear all the, you know, the uh, film conveys stories of, they, you know, say on the circuit, there'd be shows for white audiences mm-hmm. and then shows for black audiences. Mm-hmm. And the kids, the white kids would kind of crash the shows for, yeah. Shows. yeah. 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 And it, it looks like it'd be, end up pretty joyful. Um, and there was this kind of like revolutionary energy. Sometimes it would be so joyful that the theater would get trashed in a, in a positive way. Yes. Not, from, not from fighting <laughs> from like, you know, the people dancing in ecstasy. Yeah. <laughs> Excess of exuberance would just, yes, do some damage to things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And of course, John Waters is there to pay tribute to him and to say his little, his little tiny sinister mustache, sinister hilarious mustache is, of course, a direct Little Richard quote. It comes from Little Richard. Um, you but, you know, what's his, what's the name of his movie? I'm blanking. It's his, probably his most famous Hairspray. movie. Hairspray. 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 He's, of yeah. course, documenting the phenomena of, of that, that white kids are like, they they love this music and they're crashing into it and it's of course you know it isn't one of the major ones but it's certainly one of the important cultural ways that you start breaking down racial barriers yeah absolutely and i I thought the film like handled that pretty well like i mean on the one hand little richard's life is shaped by just like the wholesale exploitation and robbery of black artists no Mm. question about it rock and roll did not credit or pay black mm. artist, period. And they invented it. Mm. And that's that is the like original sin of the genre. Mm. Um, however, it also is, you know, it, it's it's like revolutionary energy <laughs> uh really did start to overturn segregation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's beautiful. And it's like, I think it's kind of worth remembering. Sometimes I think people talk reductively about cultural appropriation mm-hmm. like cultural appropriation is pat boone singing mm-hmm. yeah. you know tutti frutti without any sense of like its origins and certainly without crediting little richard in spirit you know letter or monetary form you know um but uh, i think people like sometimes overly reductively in like a twitter argument way mm. it almost seems like for you know white kids to listen to like rock and roll is cultural appropriation mm-hmm. and i would say this documentary says like no that's not exactly it the problem is like the exploitation the lack of recognition um but there there are like beautiful things in people like you, you know listening to music together <laughs> like that that is not 
sim- like the joy of listening, uh, especially like being open to like the history of mm-hmm. the people who created it and crediting mm-hmm. them w- and paying them where credit is due. Um, you know that what that's could like be a wrong way with white kids revering Little Richard at that time and that I can't even imagine there couldn't have been a better thing <laughs> that could have happened. Yeah, it was so necessary. Oh my god, yeah. what a yeah. monstrous time <laughs> it was. It, it just needed Little Richard so bad. Yeah, undeniably. Yeah undeniably so like yeah i mean so obviously rock and roll does a ton for Mm -hmm. like all kinds of people over the world and the thing that needs to be corrected is that rock and roll needs to be a do a ton for little richard (laughs) and other black artists you know absolutely yeah 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 i know i'm sad he died in 2020 damn it i had forgotten oh my god i know it sucks Sucks, because he would have loved to have this (laughs) this documentary made and to see it and to be celebrated for it because you know that you do love to see that too there's so many tales of the reluctant star that it's wonderful to see (laughs) a star who loves being a star and doesn't want to be anything else for most of his life anyway so that that is just great to see loved it for sure for sure (laughs) i think i think we are done are we i I can't imagine how we can follow that okay we have have come to an hour broadcast (laughs) we have done that um so yes we both highly recommend that one for sure but both both totally worth worth seeing absolutely and that is it for our um um episode thanks dear listeners and of course triple thanks to our subscribers who keep us in people magazine so we can stay current with all of the quote-unquote stars um, um those <laughs> figures of yesteryear uh-huh. if you're not a subscriber yet but you like what you hear please consider signing up with patreon for all the film suck content instead of just the half that's publicly available join us in two weeks for more sensational film suck content until then thank you all for listening bye bye